Hey y'all, I'm Sheridan Elliott, and welcome to Under the Influence. Today on the podcast, I have a teacher turned speaker, master coach, and host of the podcast, Seek First CEO. She is a mom of three, married to her best friend for 10 years, and currently lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's a multi-passionate entrepreneur and has built an eight-figure brand through various businesses. But she quickly realized her greatest passion wasn't in having her own success, but in helping other high-performing women partner with God in business. As a master biblical brain-based coach, she helps ambitious women pursue all that God has for them and pioneer the assignment that they've been given without sacrificing the things that matter through your mindset, heart set, and soul care. Welcome to the podcast, Heather Shriver Burns. Hello, thank you so much for being on today. I'm really excited about my guest today. She has just totally transpired my life, my family's life, and I'm really excited for y'all to just get a glimpse of what she has to offer. And without further ado, I want to welcome Heather to the podcast. Hey, girl, how are you today? Hey, well, thank you. I'm so excited to get to hang out with you today. Yes. And this is what I love about technology. Like we are literally on polar opposite sides of the country and we can connect and just really let God work today. So let people know who you are, what you're about, where they can find you and just a little bit about Heather. Yeah. Well, hello. It's fun to be here. My name is Heather. Um, Goodness. So I am currently in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was born and raised here. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Arizona, but we are back here for the past several years and this is home for now. But I am a mom of three. Uh, My oldest is turning 10 this weekend. So I can't even believe that I have a child that is going to be double digit. So it's a big deal in our house. Um, I've been married to my best friend. We will have our 11th anniversary this year. Super excited about that. And yeah, I am a multi-passionate, I'm a teacher turned entrepreneur. And so I'm multi-passionate, love a lot of things about the business world, but Um, yeah, I've just been doing business since my oldest, actually, since I had him, that's what got me into becoming an entrepreneur. And so I've done a lot of things in that space, which has led me to where I am today, which is coaching, coaching other ambitious, high achieving, uh, Jesus loving women who want to seek God first and keep him first in all they do. And they're ambitious and they want to go after the things that he has for them. Yeah. And a little backstory. So Heather and I actually met on Instagram. Um, my sister had seen a reel and she shared it with me and she was like, I really think I want to work with her and I just wanted to share her content. And it's, you know, like any other thing, people share stuff and you're like, oh, that's great. But I really had no idea how much you were going to transform my family's life. And I am just so grateful for your ministry. I'm so grateful for helping us heal with Jesus. But, you know, sometimes it's just from a different perspective and there's things that we have to heal from that sometimes we have put off for so long that we don't realize that we've kind of shoved it in a corner and then you helped reveal that and then help me go through it to get past it, to be the person who God truly called me to be. 
Um, so I want to thank you for that because I know that I, I have personally told you that before, but sometimes I don't think people realize just how much of a transformation because of you personally doing what God called you to do has impacted my life. Um, so with that being said, I want you to just talk about what, how you work with women, um, what that looks like for healing and trauma, um, maybe a little bit about your backstory. Um, I know you said you were a teacher turned entrepreneur, but how did God really bring you into this ministry? Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say thank you for that. I am so honored and humbled. It is such a privilege to be able to do what I do. And I think the goal of everyone is to wake up every morning loving what you do. And I truly can say that. I've done a lot of things in the entrepreneur world. I have experienced a lot of success and there is nothing that brings me more joy than seeing women and you know, families walk in the fullness of what Jesus really paid the price for. Yes, it's for our sins. Yes, it's to cover that. And it's to have heaven on earth here. And so the freedom that Jesus paid for us to have goes so much more beyond, um, you know, obviously there's eternity, but there's, there's the here and the now. And so if we're not walking in freedom and wholeness as believers, how are we supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus? And so, yeah, I just thank you for trusting me and allowing me to be part of your journey. It, it, again, it's truly an honor. It's, it's so humbling and I am so grateful that God chose me to get to do this. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So let's talk about my story. So I never doubted for a second that I wanted to be a teacher growing up. I used to spend my allowance at the teacher store, like literally would go to the teacher store, buy stamps and certificates and borders for, I mean, like all the things, chalkboards. And I wanted to be a teacher and I got it, went to college, did that, got into my first classroom job and was like, Whoa, wait a second. I do not want to be a mom, not right now. And I felt like I was a mom at 21 years old, felt like that was a lot of responsibility. And I loved my students, but I just knew that like this wasn't it. And so that was kind of jolting to me. So I'm like, I've never even thought of doing anything else, but I went to church uh, and I was in a young adult group. And one of the guys that I worked for an education publishing company and he said, hey, I know you're a teacher. Like, have you ever thought about going into the education publishing side and doing sales? And I was like, well, no, I have never thought of that. He's like, well, my company's hiring and we're looking for teachers. I thought, oh, okay. So I knew I wasn't going to be in the classroom for a long time. And so I ended up uh, taking the interview, got the job, and that really started my sales journey. And it was the perfect transition from the classroom to the sales world because, of course, I didn't think. I was like, I am not a salesperson. But I learned that sales is really relationships, and I loved that aspect of sales. And so that started my my journey into the sales world and more business minded. And then I worked for several different uh, you know, fortune 500 companies did very well and just fell in love with sales, fell in love with the fact that my paycheck patted me on the back for what I did. And I love relationship building. So I, I would consider myself very driven, very independent, high achieving all the things. Um, in fact, I, I share this story often that I, when I first met my husband, we actually met, we uh, were in pharmaceutical sales and we thought that was going to be the end all be all to our careers. And that was going to be so awesome. But we ended up meeting at training, fell in love in, at, at training for this job. We, he lived in Texas. I lived in Arizona at the time. 
ended up falling in love, moved to Texas, quit that job. Um, and, you know, fast forward 11, 13, whatever years later, married 11 together, 13. But um, I share that to say that the sales world, I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, but the sales <laughs> world, I just fell in love with the sales world and, and just how it's relationship building. And then I became a mom. And I thought, well, goodness gracious, I can't work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. I don't want to drive into an office. I don't want to, I don't want to give this much time to other people. And so never again did I dream of being a stay-at-home mom. That was not a desire of mine. I've always wanted to work. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And so I saw, you know, every family's dynamic is different. And my mom, when she stayed at home, she only, that's what she wanted to do her whole life is to be a mom. My mom had a very traumatic childhood and didn't have parents and didn't have a stable home. And so that was her heart's desire. But on the flip side, I kind of saw how that perhaps kind of held her back from doing anything outside of motherhood. And that was not what I wanted to sign up for until I held that baby in my arms and was like, holy moly, how did I not even think that maybe this baby would change my heart and change my desires? And so fast forward, that's where I got into the entrepreneur world. And like many people who I think it started in the entrepreneur space, it's network marketing, multi-level uh -huh. marketing or how social selling is what they call it now. It's like they changed the name to try to make you think it's something different, but it's really not. <laughs> um, right. And so that got me into that piece of my journey. And I had a lot of success in that space, built um, seven and eight figure businesses and popped out two more babies in the process of that. And uh, at, at, in 2018, I ended up, every time I'd start a new business, I would just get to this place where I'd be like, okay, that's good, but there's something missing. And yes, I'm successful. And yes, the money is good. And yes, I am getting to do a lot of things that I absolutely love but ah, there's just something missing. And so as I kept pursuing the next company or the next thing in the process, I got my life coaching certification thinking maybe that was it. And I started a boutique. I started a faith-based apparel business. And um, again, in the entrepreneurial world, we can get wrapped up in the, the idea of needing multiple streams of income. I believe multiple streams of income is really smart, but I think there's a smart way to do that. And I was just going guns blazing, like all the things we can conquer the world until 2018, my life came kind of crashing down. So I was a top leader in a company and I felt that feeling again, like something is off. And so after about a year of kind of praying through that, thinking, how could God lead me here? Give me so much favor, so much provision, so much exposure and leadership. And I was speaking on stages, traveling the world, all the things. And yet I was unfulfilled. And I just was like, Lord, how could you bring me to this place and me still be unsatisfied? And so I was pressing into that. And I thought, you know what? Life is too short. The money is just money. And I want to pursue whatever God has for me. Well, as I did that, the company did not like the way that I went about it. Uh, they ended up terminating me, accusing me of soliciting. If you know any language in the network marketing world, I didn't solicit, but they accused me of it. And I basically went from an eight-figure business to nothing overnight, pregnant with my third child. Um, and that began my deep healing journey. Now, I thought my healing was all about 
being accused of doing something that I didn't do and, and losing the eight figure business and, uh, you know, all the things that had to do with that. And that was a huge part of my healing, learning to forgive people, me asking for forgiveness, um, you know, just really digging into that story. But what, as I've continued to heal with the Lord, I realized that, oh goodness gracious, there are many layers to this. And what happened in that situation was just a reinforcement of the lies that the enemy started a long time ago and mm -hmm. things in my childhood. And so I grew up in a very loving, you know, a Christian home where I didn't think there was any type of, you know, trauma. And there's the big T trauma and the little T trauma. And I don't have any big T trauma. Um, but what I have found is that the enemy really doesn't care if it's big or little in any type of trauma. And we can define trauma as when you feel, um, you know, unsafe and you, you feel like you're not in control and you feel very unsafe and there's like nothing that you can do about it. And so, you know, my big, um, my, my big T trauma, I guess, was that was the being accused and losing the eight figure business, you know, three, three babies, all the things. Um, I, as I started to do my own healing, realized that, wait, there are some things here that I never even knew were existed. And so as I, and the reason that I ended up, so I have a master neuroscience certification and a lot of people were like, how did you get into that? Well, it was part of my own journey. So I had already been successful in entrepreneurship and in, as I was trying to rebuild my life and rebuild my business, um, specifically in the coaching space, I was frustrated because my coaching business wasn't excelling the way that my previous businesses had. And I knew there were some hangups, but I couldn't figure out what that was. And so I did what, you know, I think a lot of believers do, right? We, we do, we read the Bible, we pray about it. We, maybe we seek counsel from it and, you know, we try to do the things, but I knew that something was kind of missing that I couldn't figure out on my own. And that I needed to get to the root of what is this? What is the thing that's holding me back? So that took me on this journey to understand the brain. And as I was going through my neuroscience certification, the Lord was showing me scripture and how scripture was correlating to the science. And really that science simply complements what God has already said. And so I was fascinated that the verses like, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All those things that sometimes we hear as believers I was actually seeing how the science made sense and how our brains have neural pathways and how we operate and what we believe, which started way before we had the choice of actually making a conscious decision. It's what we observed. And so I started to get really curious about those things. And the hot topics in my world are always like money, success, failure. Uh, so those, those are like the big things in the entrepreneur world, like getting to the root of what you believe. And sometimes we think we're well, choosing to believe it when if you start to really pull back the layers, you realize I didn't really necessarily choose to believe this. I was raised in an environment that nurtured me to believe these things. And then I started operating from those truths. So in my own healing journey of just pulling back the layers, allowing the Holy Spirit to expose the lies that I was believing about different things, I realized that a lot of these things started in childhood. And I do have to say this because as I do some of this work with clients and people, Sometimes we feel so like, oh my gosh, I'm calling my parents out or I'm like making my parents seem like a villain or they're terrible people. And I, I went through that too, thinking, well, I have to honor my mother and my father. I want my days to be long. And really what it is, is exposing the enemy 
and how he is. Because we know we're not warring against flesh and blood. We're warring against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. And so as you start to see the stories and patterns in your life, you'll see how the enemy has come in and used broken parts of people, not necessarily broken people, but broken parts of people. And we all have broken parts, right? The enemy's doing the same with me for my kiddos. And he's partnering with broken parts of me. And that's really what's continued me on this healing journey is because I want to be a, a good mom. I want to be the best mom that God's created me to be. I believe that he's given me my children on purpose. And that, of course, there are parts of me that, hey, maybe that wasn't my fault, but it is my responsibility to, to work with the Lord and heal those things and to get free from those things. So as I started digging deeper into my story, and understanding why I did what I did. And, you know, one of the examples I often share is that, yes, I was super successful, very high achieving, very independent. Um, oh, I think I started to tell a story about my husband and I never actually shared. But when I first met my husband, I told him that I don't need him. I want him. And that I don't, I'm not looking for a sugar daddy. Like I kind of laid out these like these ideas that I wanted to establish really my uh, independence from needing him. And I don't even know that I, I didn't at the time, I didn't think that was prideful or that sounded, you know, thing. I thought I was showing this man that like, Hey, you don't have to take on this responsibility of me. I am super independent and I have my own ambitions and goals and dreams, and I'm going to go after them. And I just want to have a partner to do it with. And I want to support you in your dreams. But years later, God showed me that a part of that was that I don't trust others. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't trust people. And it wasn't necessarily about me being this like, ooh, I'm so, I'm so successful. It was more or less a defense mechanism for me because when I was young, I didn't, you know, there's, there's so many layers to all this stuff. And again, I want to honor my parents. Uh, my mom had a very traumatic childhood. And oftentimes when we start digging in these things, we make we can say, oh, well, I understand why they did what they did or maybe why they um, would, would be choose those, those rules or whatever. But again, at the end of the day, it's like the enemy wants to use those broken parts of people to get at you. And so an example is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that, you know, I went through some things as a child and often I found that as an adult, now that I see why I'm super independent is because I didn't feel safe sharing my feelings with my, my parents and my, my relationship with my mom and dad are totally different. Uh, and both, you know, both just very different dynamics, but I learned how to self-soothe. I learned how to take care of my own emotions and stuff them or just again, become super independent. And that's not to shame my parents, but that's just to kind of like share some of the things that even the world thinks, oh, Heather's so this, she's so that. And I am seeing, as I have obviously dealt in my own story and, and a lot of client stories, that a lot of times those things come at a cost. And uh, I use this example that like I married my husband and he is, again, he's super independent, but he is a um, action, like my love language is gifts and words of affirmation. So I always tell him like, just feed me and tell me I'm pretty um, and we'll be good. Uh, but my husband's acts of service. And so I meet this hunky, buff, good looking, successful guy. And he cooks and he cleans and he does the laundry. I'm like, man, I hit the jackpot. And I really did hit the jackpot with him. But as I've learned more of his story, I learned that at a very young age, he was cooking at five with a stove for himself. 
He washed his own clothes. He didn't have a father present in his life. And his mom was busy working multiple jobs. And so he was very independent because he had to be. That was survival for him. And so while it's beautiful on the other end, I'm like, oh, I have this man who does all these things and he's he loves me and he does these things for me, which is great. It came at a cost. Mm-hmm. And when you start to just understand the reason that you do what you do and why you believe what you believe and you start to pull back the layers, it starts to expose some things that you're like, whoa, and it, it usually rocks your world. So I never got into coaching business women to think that I was doing this kind of work, but in my own journey, as I myself would consider myself this ambitious, high performing entrepreneur that why am I like this though? And is this good? And is this, you know, I went through the hustle mentality and losing that and realizing that that's not God's plan for me to be stressed out about my business. He's not giving you the assignment just to stress you out and make you think that this is all on your shoulders. But, um, so I, and a lot of people ask me, well, what's the difference between what you do in counseling? And so um, I think, feel like I should probably share this too, because I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist, uh, although I am partnered with the number one counselor. That's the Holy Spirit. And he is our guide. He's our teacher. But, uh, you know, there are reasons why you do what you do. And when you start to pull back the layers and if you look at it from a, a neuroscience, brain science perspective, there's another layer to that. It's why are you doing that? Why do you believe that? And that's what's really got me on this journey of helping people pull back the layers of why they do what they do and get healing from that from a spiritual perspective and moving forward. So that's a whole lot. In, in yeah. The, yeah, I hope that gives you kind of a nutshell of how I got to where I am. But I am in the process of getting my trauma certified, uh, trauma, trauma-informed certification as well. Because that's just where God is leading me to work with people. And I think it's important to have the right parameters when you are dealing with some of these things. And all of us have trauma. Every single one of yes. us. Every single one of us. Um, it's just a matter of uncovering those traumas. And it was not, it's, And I think sometimes we can like, oh, well, their trauma is bigger than mine. That's not, the enemy does not care. He simply wants you to partner with the lies that come from the trauma so that you get off course and don't operate in your fullness of who God created you to be. Yes. And that was one of the coolest things that you showed me was, you know, there's trauma is trauma and it's big T, little T, but it's still spelled the same. And it still can affect us in taking us away from what God has called us to be. And one of the coolest things that you taught me, and I am so like, proud of myself for executing in my own life is to keep asking the question, why? So one of the examples that I have with this was my oldest kid is playing basketball. It's his first year to play basketball. He is a very natural athlete. Um, He's very natural at a lot of things. So everything comes really easy for him. And when I start to see him getting off, my first instinct is to be like, why are you not hustling? Why are you not trying? Why do you look like you're running around lost, right? When the last week you had 10 steals, a layup. I mean, we're talking about a six-year-old that can do a layup correctly. And so what, what changed in a week? What happened, right? And because of my little T trauma, I wanted to just get straight to the point. Like, what's wrong? What are we doing? And you taught me to take a step back and start asking the question, why? Start with something big. Hey, do you like playing basketball? 
Yes. Okay. Why do you like playing basketball? Well, because I get to be with my friends. Okay. Why do you like being with your friends? And you start peeling the onion back, right? It's little things at a time. And it's not me telling him, it's him telling me, but I'm having to open up the onion. And long story short, after literally asking why this, why that, and not like an annoying little kid of going, well, why? Well, why? But really having him open up to me, I discovered that he was playing scared because he was afraid of getting yelled at. Mm. That was the whole gist of the story, right? And I said, okay, I get that. Are you scared of me and daddy yelling at you? Are you scared of like your coaches yelling at you? What, what are you, what is the true core here? And um, basically it was, he was afraid of doing it wrong, right? So mm. we have a little bit of like this perfectionism that's starting to pop out because he's always done things naturally. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to navigate. And I said, listen, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. That is life. That is sports. That's school. But we have to have this growth mentality, right? We're not fixed. And I think for me, that was one of the things that you transformed in my life was Okay, keep asking yourself why. We've got to dig deeper. There's a reason you're doing this. There's a reason that there's a core problem that started a long time ago that we've got to figure out why. Then yeah. once we figure out why, we can grow and we can figure out what we need to do to get past that. And yes. that was just such a cool um, testimony of your help in my life that I was able to help my kid get past that instead of get it together why are we running around lost? Like you can do this, but it was, I'm scared to do it wrong. So I don't get yelled at. I, I have to do it right. Well, there's a lot of ways to do it right. There's not one way to win a basketball game. Right. But he was just so fixated on that and we helped him navigate and then get through it. And his last game to this previous game was a total transformation because he wasn't playing scared. He knew he was going to mess up. He knew he was going to make a mistake and he was okay to do that. It was like a breath of fresh air of knowing, oh, it's okay to mess up. I'm okay to not be perfect. And that was just so cool to see a six-year-old do, um, that he helped himself get there. And then he was building confidence in himself to know, I don't have to do it perfect every time. Yes. And um, I just want to thank you for that because- that was something that you helped me with. And one of the things that you really helped me navigate was, you know, why do I, why do I shelter myself from going deep in relationships? Um, you know, I've always had, you're so friendly, you make friends easily, but then what was holding me back from having that true connection with people? And it was the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And you helped me navigate that. And where did that start? What was the lie that the enemy instilled in me? And then how can we break that, rewire my brain and show that, no, that's a lie. Let's break the lie and let's have a growth mindset. And one thing I just love so much about your, I'm going to call it a ministry because it truly is. I is call that, it a business tree. It's a business and it's a ministry. Yeah. Yes. yes. Is that you show us biblically, like, what does God say about this? And where has the enemy taken that and lied to you? Because the enemy can't create anything. He just takes what God created and manipulates it and perverts it and twists it and then shoves it back in your face as a lie. Um, 
And so that was just so transpiring for me of like, okay, why do I hold myself back? Why do I want to like hold myself back from that connection? It's because deep down I'm afraid of rejection. And then where did that start? And let's rewire it. Mm -hmm. And that is just a total, if I could explain your ministry to people or your business tree, because they're like, oh, she's like a therapist. And I'm like, nah, no. Oh, she's like a coach. I'm like, eh, kind of like, you know, it's, it's just so much more than that. And it's dialing in what God has for you, but then you walking in it, but we've got to deal with it. We can't just stuff it under the rug. We can't just act like it never happened. We've got to peel back the onion and figure out why, because there's a reason you do everything. And it could be something small. It could be a big T. It could be a little T trauma, but there's something that the little child in you was trying to protect itself. And now it's manifested into your adult life. And for me, that was, it stops with me. I don't need this going on to my kids because I have always had and you know this with working with me, that it's always been an all or none mentality. Mm-hmm. And you helped me realize that, Sheridan, it doesn't have to be all or none. It doesn't. But why do you think like that? What what caused you to think like that? And then you showed me it's harmony. It's not even balance. It's you can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like, why can't you have both? And I'm like, I don't know, never thought of it. (laughs) You know, it's just, I'm either all in or I'm all out and I'm going to do it right. Or I'm not going to do it at all. And that I could see that happening in my six-year-old. And so thank you for revealing that in me. So I could help my kids go through that. My my six-year-old definitely has a lot of my tendencies and my personality. And my three-year-old is like the little child that I wanted to be, but that I wasn't. And so it's been really cool to just see her personality come out because she's getting the healed version of me where my son was getting the healing version of me. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had to navigate that together. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I, I mean, our, our quickest question to ask ourselves is what's wrong with me? Like, why am I doing this? Why? And really it's like, what happened to me that's making me respond this way? And that's helped me so much because when we have he- when we have wounds that go unhealed, then we end up we end up frustrated, and eventually it, it ends up like turning into this hatred of either other people or ourselves. And that question, like, what's wrong with me? Why? Like, what's my problem? It turns ourselves on ourselves, right? And so, just even like with your son, like saying instead of like, what's wrong with you? It's hey, like, you know what what's going on here and and getting curious around when you are responding out of fear and so obviously you know fear whenever we're presented with that whether it's a literal like a bear you know or um, just emotional fear we fight flight or freeze that's just our natural human tendency and so the work that i do really helps people not fight flight or freeze but flow and how do you navigate those moments that you want to fight or you want to fight, you want to freeze or you want to fawn. Um, but what is God saying? And how do we come in alignment with that truth and getting curious around our hangups, right? Or why we responded that way. The real, like the best question is what happened to me that is making me respond this way? And then it's not really about you. It's about the situation. And then you can see how you've partnered with probably a lie 
Um, and you're operating from that place all out of what you said is it, safety. It's a safety mechanism. It's to keep you, it's to keep you safe. And yeah, it's such, it's so good that, yeah, the work I do, I always tell people, yeah, you're investing in your business, but this is going to help you with your friendships, with your marriage, with your finances, with your children, with like, it's just these understanding yourself better and understanding how God wants us to operate so that no matter if it's, you know, your business or your home life, you still start to see like why you do what you do. And then is that, does that have to be, does that have to be true? Right. Does that have to be the way that we do this. So I love that you, yeah. And I just have to commend you because this work is not necessarily fun. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I do it as brutal. It is brutal. And it's also so beautiful, but if, I don't know if anyone has a garden or if you've done like, I mean, it's kind of dirty. Like you get into the yuck and you have to use some sort of manure. And it's, I mean, it's not always, there's parts of it. It's kind of dirty and it's not fun and you're digging in there. But when we're willing to allow the Lord to show us what's actually in our garden and in our hearts and in our minds and pull out the weeds so that he can replace those with good seed. Oh, it's just the fruit that comes from it is so worth it. So I commend you for, for pressing in and, and not just ignoring it and doing the other way, but then also applying it to your family. It's, it's truly generationally uh, life-changing. Yes. And I think a lot of my generation and, and, and again, we're not shaming our parents. We're not pointing fingers, but you know, it was the out of sight, out of mind. And so we have been, one of the things that my husband and I have had to deal with is like, okay, instead of like example, when your kid falls down and scrapes his knee, the first thing you want to say is it's okay. Don't cry. You're Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. But what you don't realize is you're making them deflect that emotion. You can still like handle the emotion while also building a tough kid. And for me, one of the things that I've just as as easy of an analogy as this is, it's, oh, wow, you fell. That hurt. And I'm not giving them the excuse of like, oh, we get just to cry all day. But I'm acknowledging that they fell and that's painful. Mm -hmm. And then are you okay? Can mommy help you? Because I have one kid who like wants my help, needs my help, needs my emotional like boundary to like help them get through it. And then I have another kid who's like, I'm good. I'm fine. Don't touch me. You know, so navigating that together, but, oh, you fell that hurt. Are you okay? Do you need me? Do you need something? Oh, wow. You're so tough. Like you're, you're okay. You're doing great. But just navigating them through it instead of trying to make them stop it will help you in the long run. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of like dealing with a kid at a restaurant. You can either give them the iPad at two and then whenever they're like six, they don't know how to like sit and be bored at a table or you can navigate the two year old at a table and entertain them. And then when they're older, they'll know how to entertain themselves. Right. It's. Mm-hmm. It's the long run process. And again, if you have a tablet with your kid, that is a personal preference. I'm just using an example. Um, but yeah, yeah it, when you can't handle your own emotions, you won't be able to handle anyone else's. And that is a society that we live in. At large, most people don't know how to process and handle their own emotions. Therefore, when a child or somebody, a coworker or a family member or a friend tries to share their emotions, because we're not comfortable with our own we try to fix people. 
And there's just this, you know, a very lack of empathy in our world because everyone wants to fix it because nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. And what you're doing for your children is you are saying, hey, your feelings and your emotions are safe. You're like, that doesn't necessarily mean we stay here and we don't like, you know, the goal is to move from those, but we acknowledge the emotion. We acknowledge the feelings and then we move forward. And so see, yes. And that's because you are healing your own emotional capacity so that you're not frustrated or triggered or frazzled when your kiddos come to you with sometimes like you like, yeah, it's like, man, you're just, you're just you're being such a baby or you're like milking this out. And mm-hmm. we, they might be, but yeah. to honor their feelings is such a beautiful thing. And it, it does, it will yield so much fruit in their life as they get older and they actually have to process some, a lot tougher things, mm-hmm. but giving permission to, to feel is really important. And we see Jesus doing that all throughout scripture. And so where in society have we lost that, that Jesus, you know, he mourned in the garden of Gethsemane. He, he shows emotions all over scripture. Um, and so we have permission to feel our feelings. And permission to sit in it. That was one of the things you yeah. taught me was yeah. that you have to sit in it for a second. And that's not saying you sit in it for years, right? But you give yourself permission to feel it. You give permission mm-hmm. to sit in it and you give yourself the minute to have that emotion. You know, growing up, one of the only emotions that I saw was okay to have was anger. So growing mm-hmm. into my adulthood, it was like, oh, anger is okay to have, but like sadness wasn't or frustration mm-hmm. wasn't. And so navigating that, you know, biblically it says, when you get angry, sin not. It doesn't say don't get angry. It just says don't be sinful in that anger. And so, well, what does that look like? Because what I was modeled as a child necessarily isn't what I'm supposed to do. So what does that look like? Well, scripture shows me what does it look like to be angry? What does it look like to not sin while you're angry? And then now when my kids get upset, it's, hey, I see that you're upset. talk to me about that do you want to talk to me about that because I also don't want to give them permission to just barf on me if they don't want to barf on me at the moment and but I'm here when you're ready and if you just need to sit here and throw a pillow on the ground to get some of your frustration out then do that but I'm here when you're ready because it's also not my job to just constantly fix them and fix them and fix them because Mm -hmm. when they're 20 25 30 they need to be able to get through their frustration themselves. I understand they're three and six at the moment, but it's my job to show them when I'm frustrated. And my six-year-old obviously is now old enough to see, and he'll say, mom, are you frustrated? And I'm like, I am frustrated, you know, because how many of us also grew up with, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, I am frustrated, but I'm not frustrated at you. I'm frustrated with something else because they don't need to learn that just because I'm mad means I'm mad at them. No, I'm, I'm frustrated at something else. And so I need to take some deep breaths or I'll even say, what do you think mommy can do while I'm frustrated? Because mm-hmm. then that gives them a voice. It gives them a thought process. It helps them also navigate me and me navigate them. And then whenever they're frustrated, it was like, well, how did I help mom get out of this frustration? Or what did she do? It's we take a deep breath. I go throw a pillow on the ground. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anything, but I'm helping get it out of my body. Or I go for a walk or I go for a jog or I like to call it my Jesus walk. I go pray. I take a lap and I come back and then I'm like, okay, mom's good. I got it out. Now, what can I do to fix this problem? Or maybe I can't fix this problem. Maybe it's something I can't control, but what can I control? And then let's focus on that. 
And that's a lot for a three and a six-year-old, but I know it's going to come in handy when they're 10 or 15 or 30. And just looking at what the Bible says about so many of these things instead of what does the world say is okay? Because what the world says is okay may not be what God says is okay. And I want to live my life for him and not in the world standards. But Mm -hmm. having emotions is okay. They are from God. But how did he handle his emotions? Because then that's how I need to handle mine. Yeah. Yeah. The emotions are just coming after a thought. And so that's really the work that I do is help you get to the thought. Because if you can get to the thought, then you can take it captive and you can make it obedient to Christ. And then there, there's, there's where you get the transformation, right? Um, yeah, it's just so beautiful to hear that you're like aware of how, how, yeah, how to hold space and not to have to fix it, but just to allow your kids to process and have those emotions is such a gift. Because like you said, a lot of the times we just want to fix it. And that's the beautiful part about God as a father. Like he wants to sit with us in that. He's not looking to just fix us. Like he would love to process that with us and hold space for us and say like, Hey, if you're upset, I see that come, come sit with me. And if we didn't have that in our home, we will be less likely to do that with our own family and our own kiddos and our own self. And so it's such, it is such beautiful, beautiful work. And again, I'm just going to say, well done, sis. Well, thank you. And before we end the podcast, I want to acknowledge one more thing that you helped me realize in scripture. Um, You keep saying, you know, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I, and I'm sure a lot of others have heard that scripture numerous times, but what I had always translated that as, and what I had seen that as is ignore the thought. But if we think about what is a captive, if you're captive in war, we take you and we basically now manipulate you and you get to do whatever we tell you to do, right? That's a captive. And that's what we need to do with our thoughts. It's not ignoring it. It's not stuffing it. It's taking it and saying, no, you don't line up with God's word. This is what God's word says. And we're going to fix it. So no devil, you're a liar. This is not what God's word says. I'm not going to keep thinking this thought. I'm going to transform my mind on what God's word says. That's taking your thoughts captive. And for the longest time, I just thought, oh, just ignore it. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. Well, that's not what we do with captives. We take them. We say, nope. Yeah, Yeah. you're my hostage. And that is what thoughts are. And as a society, like you said, as a whole, we have taken our thoughts and then we either dwell on them, we stuff them, but then the, the devil takes that and he uses it for a lie that can go on through generations. And generational curses are a big topic, you know, of people breaking those and trying to transform those. And I think that that is such a beautiful thing that God is showing that lies have been going on for too long and you're the person that can transform not just yourself, but your generations to come. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's been very powerful. And you have been such a, um, without crying, um, you have been that person that showed me I had that power in Christ. And so thank you for your work. Thank you for what you're doing in so many women, because it's not going unseen. You are changing the kingdom. You are changing families because you're being obedient in your healing and you're being obedient in what God's called you to do. And so thank you for that. 
Well, don't make me cry. Yes, I truly believe you can only take someone else as far as you've gone. And so, you know, if we, we know we're called to serve other people. And so if we just continue to say yes and trust God in the process, even though it does feel brutal, <laughs> it does, it, it's, it becomes beautiful. And those things can coexist, right? We can have the hard and the holy simultaneously. And from that is where just a beautiful fruit comes. So I adore you. I adore your sister. I adore your mom. I just adore your family. I am so, again, just honored to have had some time with you. And it's been good. And God's best is, is yet to come. Yes, it is. Um, I want you to share where people can find you on social media, um, follow you along. I'm telling you, her work is so beautiful. And so let people know where they can find you. And thank you again for hopping on. It has been so great. Yeah, of course. So I do have a podcast myself. It is geared toward entrepreneurs and it's called the Seek First CEO podcast. You can find me there if you're into podcasts and you're an entrepreneur. Um, otherwise, you can find me on Instagram. That's really where I hang out for the most these days. It's just my full name, Heather Shriver Burns. Uh, I'm on Facebook and a couple other places, but I really hang out on Instagram these days. So yeah, I would absolutely, if you listen to this and you're like resonated with something, I would love for you to message me and, and share that. And if I can connect with you and pray for you for something, I would love to do that. Yes. And thank you again. And guys, I'm going to tag all of this in the show notes. So please find it down below. Thank you again for hopping on. Jesus loves you and have a blessed day. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please share this with your friends, your family, and any form of social media. And do not forget to subscribe. I'm so pumped about this, guys. Let's do this together.